I'm Carly, and this is The Library Scoop, the official podcast of the Niles Main District Library. In this episode of The Library Scoop, we wanted to feature stories that highlight our area's connection to the global community. The diversity of our district and its surrounding area is something to celebrate, as we have so much to learn from those around us. We will visit Rosie Camargo and learn about her bilingual story time here at the library. Next, we will have an interview with Samra Bashir, an artist of Pakistani heritage whose work will be shown in the library's Franklin Gallery during the months of July and August. Finally, we will go to St. Luke's Church in Park Ridge, where the Church Card Ministry Program decided to put on a crafting fundraiser to help those who are being affected by the war in Ukraine. Thanks for being here, and we hope you stick around. When exploring the global community, we wanted to start close to home with our own bilingual and world language story times. We offer story times in both Spanish and Polish. Rosie Camargo, one of Niles Main District Library's Youth Services Librarians, let us listen in on the Friday Spanish bilingual story time and told us about the importance of offering story times in other languages. Good job. Okay, we're going to do our relaxing, remember? So we take a deep breath in when we raise our arms. We crisscross our and we blow out. Good job. Okay, I'm going to do it in Spanish. Levanta los brazos. Cruce sus brazos. Respire. Good job. We do it two more times. All right. Well, welcome, Rosie, to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, we're here to talk to you today about the Spanish language story time that we have here at Niles Main District Library. Um, so let's just start with how long have you been doing Spanish language story time, either here or at other libraries, and um, how often do you host the event? I've been doing Spanish story time for about a little over 20 years, 17 years at Magic Tree Bookstore in Oak Park and I was doing it for seven years at the Forest Park Public Library and then one year at Evanston Public Library, Crown Branch, and now here at Niles. That's awesome. Uh, how often uh, do we host language Spanish story time and like when? We host two types of story time. So um, every Friday is Friday Palooza and that's the bilingual. So it's English and Spanish. Um, and then once a month, we offer a world language story time that's completely in Spanish. That's awesome. What kind of stories do you like to tell during story times, and how do you pick them? Lately, I do a lot of books that are um, authentic. So either the author, the illustrator, or the main character of the story is of a Spanish background. Um, And I try stories that are like, we call them windows and mirrors for children, so like they can see themselves represented in it, or they can learn about that culture. That's awesome. Um, what would you say is the benefit of having um, both bilingual and world language story time, both to your listeners and for yourself as a Colombian woman? Um, like all the scientific stuff, they always say, like, when you introduce languages to a child, like, they're little sponges and they grow and they grow in skills and aptitude. And so I totally feel that way, too. Like, when you introduce a language, whether you're reinforcing the home language or Um, teaching them a new language, you're giving them opportunities. Um, You're giving them 
um, an introduction to a language that then later on in life they can add other languages or you're helping reinforce their home language and that'll help them in the long run when they get careers as they get older. That's um, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite story that you've ever told or like one that you come back to every so often that you just think is a really good one? I really like, I think it's called One, Two, Three Burrito. (laughs) And I just have the kids, like, it's really basic. Like, you're building a burrito, but I have them build their burrito with, like, their hand. And so it's like, take your hand out. That's a tortilla. Now we're going to put our beans and we'll put our cheese. And then I have them fold their hands because we're folding our burrito. And I have them take a big bite. Um, It's so cute. And they (laughs) so get into it. And every time I do it, I'm just like, no one's, everyone's going to think this is so silly. But like the parents get into it and stuff. So it's really fun. I I like doing that book. Who doesn't love a burrito? (laughs) Right? I'd be into it. Um, If people are interested in learning more about um, our Spanish language options, I know you're you're in the youth department, so I guess we'll specifically with the youth department, um, how can they find those those resources? They can come into KidSpace, um, and we have all our um, Spanish collection available. So right up against the purple wall by the beautiful windows is um, from, like, picture books to um, probably juvenile uh, middle school range and then all our children's board books are towards the front next to our craft tables. Awesome. So when would the next story time be that people can attend? Um, we have some really great uh, summer programs and um, I've been working with marketing so now we'll have a separate flyer uh, for all the Spanish programs. It's easier to access, it's easy to grab, and you have all the uh, programs in one sheet. Um, in June, we're having a lot of, um, we're having a dance party um, to support uh, Lucky DS and the Family Band, uh, who were nominated for Latin Grammy oh, for wow. children's music. So we're gonna have um, paletas, Mexican paletas to have, and we'll be reading um, Paletero Man and dancing to his new CD. And then we have um, some movie nights uh, on in July. We're going to do an interactive, um, inspired Encanto party. Nice. Yes. Oh, that'll be I'm fun. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so outside of the library, you're part of a couple other organizations um, that are doing really great work, both for story times and multiple languages, and as well as for just the Illinois library community. Do you want to talk about those two kind of new positions you've just been granted? Yes. So for the last um, two years, I've been on the Rails EDI committee, which is the reaching across Illinois library system. Um, And we really want to focus on equitable, diverse, and inclusive uh, programming or events. Also, how we offer services to our patrons who come to the library. Um, And that was a very... um, eye-opening experience to really see what's going on across Illinois Mm -hmm. with those issues Um, and because of that um, I was nominated and elected to the Rails Board so I hope to be a BIPOC representative for library staff on that board. Um, Also I work with Storytime Solidarity. I'm the director of EDI for the website Um, and it's a group of librarians literally internationally and we're really focused on providing resources for librarians or teachers who want to provide story time or programs to their patrons 
in a equitable, diverse, and inclusive environment. So it's really important. It's a really important topic for me. Um, I bring it to the library as well. Um, I make sure that the patrons who come in know that um, it's a safe space for them, that they can come and ask for help, and that we will find the proper person for them to help them. That's so exciting. Congratulations on both of those. Thank you. Couldn't have been to a better person. So we love it. Thanks so much. Samra is a Pakistani-American artist who takes much of her artistic influence from Pakistan. She does her painting on panes of glass as opposed to canvas, and the effect it creates is beautiful. Her art will be featured in the Franklin Gallery through July and August, and we will link her website in the show notes if you'd like to get a sneak peek at the work she does. So I am here with Samra Bashir of Glass Calligraphy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're most welcome. My pleasure. So your work is very heavily influenced by Islamic patterns and designs. So what drew you to these patterns and designs to feature in your work? So I was always inspired by Islamic patterns and designs, you know, the intricate patterns and then the geometric designs. Um, I, I used to paint them and then uh, they would serve like as a meditation for me. But a few years ago, I started taking workshops through a school in London. It's called Prince's School of Traditional Arts. And there, I, uh, it was online workshops. And there, I started to learn the meanings behind that. So most of the work, most of the designs have spiritual uh, representation and meanings behind that. So like, for example, the mosque ceilings you might have seen, they are always intricately uh, designed with infinite patterns. And uh, those represents the infinite um, blessings of God and uh, the magnificence of the universe. They're really beautiful. Um, how does your Pakistani culture influence your art? So being a Pakistani, having a background over there, I was always inspired by Pakistani art. Uh, it's very rich and diverse. It includes um, music and uh, literature and uh, visual art. So if you're into art, wherever you go, you cannot um, stop looking at the beautiful architecture all across the country. So I was always inspired by that, but um, when I moved to U.S. in 2009, it was then, I think, maybe missing the Pakistan and nostalgic, uh, nostalgia element that um, I started uh, incorporating those patterns and designs more into my work. Can you explain your process on coming up with and creating one of your paintings, one of your works? Mm -hmm. So um, since stained glass and the tile work are two of uh, most important sources of inspiration for me. I was always inspired by that. And uh, stained glass or glass paintings are not very a popular um, means of art in Pakistan, but tile work is. So when I do glass paintings, uh, the patterns are from usually from tile work and um, they are from either rug designs or carpet designs or embroidery or block prints. So the de designs comes from there. 
and uh, and then I paint them on glass. So I paint on glass and plexiglass with glass paints. The reflective surface of the glass allows light to bounce off the painted areas and pass through the unpainted areas. And the paints I use, they are transparent paints. So what happens that the, the light is the non-physical medium of my paintings, of my work. So when the light hits these paintings, since everything is reflective and transparent, uh, the vibrancy and the light uh, creates this kind of like a 3D kind of effect, which is very um, usual, unusual and unique. It's very cool. And uh, so the process starts like this, that uh, I use, so it depends on the composition that I'm planning to do. If I'm doing glass calligraphy, like calligraphy on glass, then it's a little different. I will choose, um, you know, um, a coat from any any coat that would resonate with me and then I will choose the patterns which uh, which are indicative of the meaning of the the phrase that I chose and then the colors just like the geometric patterns and other Islamic patterns and uh, you know from Pakistan too the colors also have meanings behind them so my recent um, paintings were about Islam, uh, Pakistani architecture, and um, I was lucky enough to re uh, get reference photos from Pakistan's um, photojournalist. Um, his name is Mubin Ansari, and uh, so I, I contacted him, and I took those reference photos, and then I painted them in my medium. And uh, when I paint, it's like uh, the first and most important part is with, because it's glass, it needs to be cleaned very, very properly. Mm -hmm. And then I sketch uh, and design on first on paper, and then I transfer on uh, the glass with an outliner, and then the painting process starts. And each paint and each process takes at least 24 hours because each paint needs to be dried first, and then I can, you know, work on top of that. How long has like do they usually take all together to finish one one piece? So in the past, I would take like if it's a big painting, like around 24 by 26, 36 size. Um, I would take around three to four months to complete wow. that. But I was recently in art school. And I, because, you know, you are in art school, you learn a lot of things, and it's, um, I learned how to do that. So I created six paintings in four months. Wow. And the way they taught us and the way I learned, and I think now I can do it in at least uh, one painting in three weeks. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's such a long time, though. It's such a process. It's very cool. It definitely works out because it looks beautiful when it's done. Thank you. Um, so you're going to have your art featured in the Franklin Gallery on the third floor here mm -hmm. um, in July. Uh, do you have a favorite piece that will be displayed when you hang up your work here? Yeah, there was a piece uh, from my recent uh, thesis uh, from my school. It's called Speaking into the Mosque. <laughs> and it, it has a lot of meaning behind it because the, 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 when you see the painting, it feels like you are peeking into the mosque in search of anything. It could be anything, but for me it was like peace. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. This was really fascinating. Um, for those of you who want to see Samra's work, please come join us at the Franklin Gallery uh, in July. We'll post the specific dates on the website. Um, but thank you so much again for joining us. Have a thank great day. You. Thank you so much. We got the opportunity to visit St. Luke's Lutheran Church in Park Ridge, where a group of crafters got together to put on a fundraiser for Ukraine. The proceeds of the fundraiser went to the Lutheran Disaster Fund, which is providing aid for Ukraine and refugees in Europe. 
First, we spoke with Sue Yi, who told us about the CARD ministry's background, mission, and the positive effects it has. Sue, thank you so much for having us here at St. Luke's. Uh, this fundraiser looks incredible. There's so much going on in there. It looks like you have a great turnout. We love to see that. Uh, can you explain to me a little bit what the CARD program is that you hear at St. Luke's participate sure. in? Sure. There's a group of us that wanted to start a ministry here at church to bring people together to share our spirituality and our love of crafting. And so we started probably about eight years ago making greeting cards that end up getting sold for a donation and all the money goes to our ELCA, which stands for Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, a World Hunger Fund. And every year we're able to raise, through just our greeting cards and some dolls that uh, one of our members makes, we're able to donate about $3,500 every year to World wow, Hunger. that's incredible. It is incredible. We are so pleased with it. What other ways is the card program helping the community? I guess, like, how do you build community through the card program? Well, my friend Kathy, who is one of the uh, founding members uh, likes the way I refer to it as a quadruple win <laughs> instead of just a win-win. In my opinion, it brings people together. That's a win because some of the people that join us don't have crafting supplies, but they see us and they realize that it would be a way for them to get out of the house. And as we all know, going through COVID, even before that, there are people that are, as they get into their later years, need a reason to get out of the house. And so they come, we, we share supplies with them, we make the cards, so that's a win. The people that buy the cards are able to buy a card and not give money to a corporation. It goes as a donation on the back of the card. It says that they've given a donation that goes to World Hunger instead of seeing certain companies' names on the back. <laughs> and then also the people that receive the card, it's a win to them. We send to members at least four or five times a year and uh, always get very kind words back that they're happy to be remembered by the church. And the last one, of course, is the World Hunger uh, a group itself that receives the donations that we, that we bring in. Next, we spoke with Tina Verhelst, whose background with crafting really helped this fundraiser come together quickly in a time of need. What is your background in crafting? It seems like you've got a pretty extensive setup in there. Oh, yes, I have a, a lot of background in crafting. Um, oh, gosh, back in 1995, I used to run a girls' club, crafting girls' club for girls in grades one through five. And uh, it was through a local high school, and the, the high school girls would actually kind of run the, run the club. I designed the crafts. And then they'd also get a little lesson in uh, um you know, how to make friends, why it's important to clean your room, things like that. And the little kids just looked up to the high school girls. So it was it was kind of fun. It was a, you know, very, a, a, a lot of teachable moments there. And then since then, I just loved uh, stamping and crafting. One of the crafts I did was rubber stamping and cards, and I have just been in love with it ever since. So I've become a stamping up demonstrator. I teach classes. I do Zoom classes, which I never thought I would do. <laughs> I started that last year because I said we're going to die if we don't do something mm -hmm. and uh, so I have a whole group a lot of friends and uh, the card ministry is uh, one of the groups that I've belonged to for about seven years now. 
That's awesome. We meet um, every uh, month, the first Monday of the month. They can come even if they don't know how to and help color cards. We'll teach them how to make cards. And then we sell our cards um, at the church here for $5 each for World Hunger. The members donate. I donate all my time and materials. What kind of got you inspired to help do this uh, fundraiser for Ukraine? Well, I was trying to think about, you know, well, here I am, an old lady. What can I do for Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? And uh, how can I use my crafts my, and my talent and, you know, the, gosh knows the supplies that I have? And I thought, well, let's try and do a, a card-making workshop. And so I proposed it to the whole group of ladies that are involved in the ministry. And the next day, they said we had a meeting to organize it. Shortly thereafter, a very good friend of mine passed away who was also a huge card maker, Carol Tice. And at that point, her husband asked me to clean out her craft room. It took two of us three days to clean it out. And we, you can see we have 10 tables full of stuff. Wow. She was a very avid crafter, and she loved it. She said her friends were jealous of her because she had a hobby. She was 85 years old and very, very active. And uh, we miss her dearly. Mm-hmm. So we're happy to do this in her honor. So it all kind of came together. I mean, I think God's hand was definitely in this. The way all the events where it's <laughs> like, this is this is really something. Mm-hmm. It's really something. That's amazing. What a good impact. Well, you know, you think, what can you do? Mm-hmm. You know, what can you do with one person? And then all these ladies joined in, which is, you know, just amazing. And of course, you know, my family pitched in too, and everybody else's family. And yeah, community is so important, and that's something at the library that we really value. It so is. We it's love that. very, very important. Very Absolutely. important. Yeah. And uh, you know, we work over in the makerspace over at the oh, Niles Library. You do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't been over there, but oh, I'm you need dying to, visit to us. come over. It's I a good will. space. <laughs> I will. But what is your favorite craft for somebody interested in getting started with crafting, who's maybe never picked anything up before besides like when they were kids? Oh, well, you know, I think that um, coloring is really fun. So you don't need a lot of supplies. You know, all you need is a box of pencils. Mm -hmm. Um, You can buy a coloring book because they have all the adult coloring books. I mean, if you want to get more advanced, you can pick a stamp. And actually, you need, um, you know, a stamp pad. You need whatever your stamp is, and you need ink. So you need, and paper, Mm -hmm. you know. So you don't need a lot of things. But I think it's very relaxing and... um, you can, you know, uh, in terms of making community, you can share a lot while you're sitting there coloring. Mm-hmm. You know, you people, when they come, I do classes and they go, I forget about all my aches and pains. <laughs> I forget about this. I forget about that. I just, you know, it's kind of like a little getaway. It's better than alcohol. It's better than any <laughs> drink. It's better than any drug. <laughs> Crafting is great. It is really good for the soul, good for community, and uh, obviously it's it's doing some good work here. So thank you so much for speaking with us. We really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thanks again to Rosie, Samra, Sue, and Tina for speaking with me for this month's episode. Please check out our show notes for more information about their work. Thank you for listening and see you next month.